Chapter 7 of The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Story of the World A Simple History for Boys and Girls by Elizabeth O'Neill. Chapter 7 The Last Days of Greek Independence. It might have seemed that now there was nothing to prevent Sparta uniting all the states of Greece in one empire. But this was not to be. The Spartans were hardly broad enough in the way they looked at things, and the Greek states were growing more and more jealous of each other. In a short time, when Thebes grew as powerful as Sparta, Athens was glad to join with Sparta against Thebes, a city which she had always hated, because of its tyranny over her old friend Plataea. As time went on, too, the Greeks nearly everywhere gave themselves up more and more to pleasure. Yet, just at the end of the Peloponnesian War, some of them showed that they could still fight as well as in the days of Marathon and Thermopylae. The Spartans had, during the war, been friendly with various Persian princes, and now Cyrus, the brother of the Persian king Artaxerxes, asked permission of Sparta to collect an army in Greece to help him in an expedition. He did not tell what the expedition was for, and many Greeks who had been fighting at home and had nothing to do joined him. In all there were thirteen thousand, and at their head was the Spartan Clearchus. Xenophon's Great March Among them was Xenophon, an Athenian and a pupil of Socrates. Cyrus led them with a great army of his own into the very center of the Persian Empire, to Babylonia, to fight against Artaxerxes, kill him, and make himself king. The Greeks were surprised and angry when they found what he was doing, but they fought bravely and chased the Persians opposed to them. But Cyrus himself was killed instead of his brother, and his army ran away. The Greeks were left alone more than one thousand miles from home, with enemies all round them. The Persians were afraid of them, for they saw that a small army of Greeks was still more than equal to a large army of Persians. Artaxerxes sent one of his officers, who pretended to be their friend, and offered to show them the way back to Greece. He got them safely out of Babylonia, and then asked their generals and captains to a meeting in his tent. Here men rushed upon them and killed them, and the army of ten thousand was left without their chief leaders in a strange land. Most of them were nearly in despair, but Xenophon spoke to the chief men left, reminding them of the great victories which Greece had won over Persia, and begging them to fight their way home. And so they did. They had to march all that one thousand miles through strange countries where savage tribes attacked them, but they fought with them, and took food, and went on, and at last they came within sight of the sea, and the brave men who had suffered so much, and so cheerfully, gave a great cry of joy, for they knew they were now within easy reach of home. 
Afterwards, when he was safe in Greece, Xenophon wrote down the story of all the adventures he had passed through in the Retreat of the Ten Thousand. A curious fact about Xenophon is that, though he was so brave and clever, he never had any love for Athens, his own city. He even once fought for the Spartans against the Athenians when Athens was helping Thebes in a fight with Sparta. The Spartans sent an army under one of their kings to fight the Persians in Asia Minor, and she also sent out a fine fleet. But Agesilus the king was called back to fight Thebes and Athens, who had joined her. Athens had built her long walls again in spite of Sparta. Agesilus defeated the army of Thebes and Athens, but meanwhile his fleet was destroyed by the Persians with an Athenian to lead them, and Sparta gave up the idea of becoming a great sea power. She also made peace with the great king, who was left free once more to take as his own the Greek colonies in Asia Minor. Sparta had set up in many cities of Greece a government like her own, and in Thebes among others. Two of the citizens who hated this government had been sent into exile, but they made up their minds to upset the government. They dressed themselves as hunters, and with their dogs came back to their city and to their houses without anyone guessing who they were. Some of their friends gave a feast to the two governors who ruled like the two kings in Sparta, and the exiles again dressed themselves up, this time as women, and went into the room where the rulers were eating. They were taken by surprise and easily killed by the pretended women. So the enemies of Sparta came into power. Athens sent help to Thebes, and the Thebans found a splendid leader in Epaminondas, one of the greatest heroes of Greek history. He was a splendid soldier and a very noble character. He had not taken any part in killing the rulers set up by Sparta. He was clever, too, and had studied philosophy, and in some ways was very like Pericles, as soon as the Thebans had become free themselves, they helped the other cities which Sparta had conquered to set themselves free. Epaminondas won a great victory over the Spartans at Leuctra. In the battle, Epaminondas used a quite new way of attacking the enemy's lines, and he is considered one of the world's great generals. Seven hundred Spartans were killed, and only three hundred Thebans. But Sparta pretended not to care, and forbade any public show of sorrow. Epaminondas, the hero of Thebes The Thebans were now the chief people in Greece, but the other cities soon became as jealous of them as of Sparta, and the Spartans took advantage of this to make another attack on Thebes. Another great battle was fought at Mantinea. For a long time it seemed doubtful which of the splendid armies would win, but at last Epaminondas led a picked band of his best men in a determined dash on the enemy. The Spartan leader was wounded, and the Thebans won the battle, for soon afterwards the Spartans sent to ask permission to bury their dead, which meant that they owned that they were defeated. 
But Epaminondas, too, was wounded to death. A javelin, a sharp weapon, with a pointed head of iron, and a handle of wood, stuck in his breast. The wooden part broke off, and the doctors said that as soon as the head should be pulled out of his breast, the brave leader must die. But Epaminondas did not care at all, so long as the victory was won. After his death peace was made, and for a short time no one Greek state tried to conquer the others. Even if he had lived, Epaminondas would never have been able to join all the Greeks together. He was like Alcibiades in that, a great soldier, but not a very clever statesman. So Thebes, like Sparta and Athens, fell once more to the level of the other states. But there was a country to the north of Greece which was not properly Greek, but which succeeded for a time where the Greeks had failed, and joined them together for a while, though against their will. End of chapter 7